We are doing a sermon series right now called Real Life, and uh, you and I are actually given a lot of opportunities throughout our lifetimes to choose between the real thing or to settle for something else. Maybe you can, can relate to this, this uh, little experience. You're in the grocery store, you're walking down the cereal aisle in search of some Fruit Loops. And as you come to the Fruit Loops, you reach out to grab the box of Kellogg's Fruit Loops, and then you realize out of the corner of your eye that there are actually other kinds of Fruit Loops, only they're not spelled F-R-O-O-T. They're spelled something else. You can either go for the real thing or the imitation thing. I got to ask, who in that moment goes for the real Fruit Loops? Wow, not a whole lot of you. Okay. Interesting. Okay. But you have a choice. Real thing or an imposter version. Um, I was looking this, this week at some just kind of fake imposter imitation name brands. And in, uh, in, in China, there's actually a whole, whole lot of them. Um, here's a list of some actual brands that you can find in China. There's Microsoft Binbos, um, Pizza Hut, H-U-H. And apparently not a lot of people over in China want to pay full price for a pair of Nikes. And so there are plenty of ripoff options like Mikey, Naki, Heike, and then they switch the K and, or the I, the N and the K around, and, and there's Kinies. <laughs> if you'd like a cheaper version of, of a Superman figurine, you can actually buy a Special Man action figure. But there's, there's lots of opportunities in life to either go for the real thing or to settle for an uh, imposter fake <laughs> imitation version. And so we're talking about real life, which kind of implies that there's the real thing and then there's something else. There's real life, and then there's an, a cheaper imitation version of life, one that leaves you less satisfied, one that leaves you with a bit of an aftertaste, bitter, feeling ripped off, whatever. And, and whether we realize it or not, every single one of us in this room is on a quest for real life. We are, at the end of the day, we are looking for real life, and, and this real life that we're searching for is actually pretty well the same for all of us. We just tend to go around, go about... Uh, different ways of getting that life. So for someone in the room, if I was to ask, what is real life? You would say, real life is when I have a heart that's just full of peace. No anxiety, no worry, no all that stuff. And so you go pursuing that. You, go, you do that maybe through vacations or, or downsizing, living the minimalist lifestyle. Um, maybe someone else would say, real life is joy. And so you try to fill your life with anything that's going to bring happiness. You, you get homes. You get uh, uh, toys. Uh, relationships, video games, sex, whatever. We bring all kinds of stuff to try to get joy. Others would say real life means a life full of friendship or love. Someone else would say it's purpose, it's significance, it's adventure. Now, here's the thing with all these things that we're searching for is that love, joy, peace, purpose, all those, those are actually things that, that you and me were created to have. And, and finding joy in a vacation or purpose in a job there's actually, uh, those aren't bad things, but where humanity gets off track, where we miss the boat big time, is when, whenever we think that a person or a thing other than Jesus is what's ultimately going to bring us the real life that we're, we're, we're after. Jesus comes along and he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. And he declares that he, he himself is the real life that we're looking for. Last week, we read one of the most important verses in the Bible. It's, it's, it's so important because it actually reveals 
the, the, the way to find real life. It says this. Now, this is eternal life. This is Jesus speaking. Eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The Message Bible, it paraphrases that verse like this. It says, this is real and eternal life, that they know you. So real life is not found in knowing about Jesus. According to Jesus, real life is found in knowing Jesus. Not knowing him from a distance, but knowing him up close in an intimate, personal way. But the question is, how do you do that? How do you get to know a God that you can't see? How do you get to know a God who you can't audibly hear, whose voice doesn't resonate off of your eardrums? How do you do that? If real life is found in knowing God, then the answers to these questions are actually some of the most important questions that we'll answer in our entire lives. Because real life is found in knowing God. And for the rest of our time together, what I want to do is look at how God's Word answers, answers these questions. And uh, this last week, as I was preparing for this morning's sermon, uh, and knowing that we were going to talk a little bit more about knowing God and what that looked like and how to do that, I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find the man or the woman in the Bible, the, the person in the Bible who, is the, who, who I just consider to, to have known God the, the closest. And so as I was kind of thinking through this, the, the person that for me jumps out above everybody else is this guy, Moses. And maybe you have somebody different in mind when you think of that. For me... It's Moses, hands down. For starters, he wrote the first five books of the Bible in partnership with the Holy Spirit. So who does that? God says, I want to write, write a book, and I'm going to work for you. I'm going to speak. You're going to write. Uh, God does that with Moses. As you read about Moses' friendship with God, you, you actually kind of get the feeling pretty quick that Moses is God's favorite. Now, I know you think that you're God's favorite. Uh, we all think we're God's favorite. But if you look at Moses and God, I mean, they're like, they're, they're really tight. There was this one time where Moses' brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, they were kind of ridiculing Moses, and they were bad-mouthing Moses. And so God comes along. He calls the three of them into a meeting. God doesn't just show up and speak to their hearts. God shows up in the, a pillar of cloud, the Bible says. And then as, as God is there with the three of them in this little meeting, God comes down, and, and he speaks, and he says this. He says, when there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions, I speak to them in dreams, but this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. God says, with him I speak face to face. Now, we know from reading the Bible that nobody actually can look into the face of God because he's just blazing with all-consuming fire, radiance, holiness, all that. You can't do it. But what God is saying here in this verse is that he and Moses are close. They are tight. God knows Moses, and Moses knows God. Later on, after Moses passed away, this is how history summed up his life. It says, since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses. And here's the phrase again, whom the Lord knew face to face. Wouldn't you like that just to be what your obituary says one day? Rich, man, he... Him and, him, and, him and the Lord, they knew each other. It was like they had a face-to-face -face friendship. They were, they were tight. So how did Moses come to know God in this way? How did they get so close? Um, there's actually a lot that we could say this morning about the relationship that Moses had with God. But I believe the main reason that they became so close, the main reason that Moses knew God face-to-face -face 
like a good, good friend is because Moses entered into a life of friendship with God. He entered into a life of friendship with God. He wasn't passive about it. He didn't just hope that a life of friendship with God would somehow magically happen. He entered into a life of friendship. He pursued God with his whole heart. He wanted to know God. And we see this most clearly in the Bible. Um, there's a number of different ways, but, but there's one way that we see it really clearly, and it's through this thing called the tent of meeting. So the tent of meeting way back in the Old Testament was this tent that, that they would set up where they would come and, and meet with God, and God would meet with, with his people, the Israelites. And listen to how the Bible describes how this, this tent worked. It says, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. There's that phrase again, as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So you see what's going on here? There's this tent where God is present. He's there. You have a tent, and way over here you have the rest of the people kind of off in the distance. And and do you see what Moses is doing differently than everybody else? Moses is entering into the tent to meet with with God. And sometimes, and I don't know if you ever wonder this like I do, but sometimes I wonder how in our nation where 83% of Americans say that they're Christians, this is just a July, this last summer poll that was done, 83% say that they're Christians, I wonder how with those kind of stats, how we have a a nation where there's so much brokenness, where there's so much hate, where there's so much injustice, where there's so much fear, where there's so much all this stuff, people looking for God and just desperately trying to find uh, life in all the wrong places. I wonder why, why that's the case. But, but you know why I think it is? I don't think it's because we, have, we don't have enough counselors. I don't think it's because we don't have enough, uh, enough classes or seminars. I don't think it's because we don't have enough good sermons being preached. Thanks to podcasts, you can actually go and, and have access to millions of great sermons. I don't think that's the reason why our, our nation is in this, this place that we're in. I think it's because there aren't enough people entering into friendship with God. There's not enough people entering into friendship with God. Instead, they're standing outside the tent of meeting, so to speak. They hear about Jesus. They even occasionally stop in on a Sunday morning and sing a song or two towards Jesus, but they don't enter into friendship with, with Jesus. They're like a bunch of people showing up at the clink on the weekend, Central Link Field, watching Russell Wilson down there from a distance. You're even admiring the way that he tosses the ball. You're even admiring the way that he can scamper away from a tackle or a bunch of tackles 
Um, you're just, you even follow him on Instagram and Twitter, because you're getting to know about Russell Wilson, but you don't actually ever enter into friendship with Russell Wilson. Now, here's the, the fact of the matter. You can't enter into a friendship with Russell Wilson. Because there's only, of all the millions of people that, that will watch him this weekend, there's only a, a handful of people that have that kind of access into his life. Even with Moses, we, we, we're reading about here, there was this, 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 this sin that, that made it so that people couldn't have the same kind of access that, that Moses had with, with God. But with you and me, it's so different. The incredible thing about Jesus is that every single person on the planet who puts their faith and trust in Jesus, is given access to Jesus through the cross. You can have the same kind of relationship that Moses had with Jesus. It's, it's there for the taking. The opportunity is right in front of us. It's only a matter of whether or not you're going to, going to enter in. Are you going to enter into friendship with God, or are you going to stand back at a distance? And, and, and maybe for you, the question is, well, Rich, how do I enter into friendship with God? And I want to give you uh, some ways to do that this morning from the life of Moses. But before I do, I just have to be crystal clear on something that's a really, really big deal. The Bible talks about how apart from God, our lives, our, our hearts, our soul are full of sin and darkness. Romans 5.10, it talks about how that sin and darkness it actually doesn't make us friends of God. The Bible says it actually makes us enemies of God. But here's the incredible thing about the God we serve. He doesn't hate his enemies. He loves his enemies, not just in, in words, but he loved us so, so much. When we were far away from God, he loved us so, so much that he left heaven. He stepped down into this, this earth. He dies on a cross for our sins so that the way could be made wide open for enemies of God to become friends of God. Isn't that good news? You, the thing that is required of us is simply to put our faith and trust in Jesus, to, to repent of our sin and turn towards him and follow him. And, and that friendship with God, th that's, that is real life. And when we do that, um, this friendship, it, it, it begins when you put your faith and trust in Jesus. It doesn't end. That's just the starting point of your friendship with God. And if you really want to enter into deep, close friendship, you have to pursue it. You have to go after it. And I'm going to give you four ways to enter into friendship with God. Um, the first is this. It's to find a place away from the noise. To find a place away from the noise. Um, Moses goes into the tent of meeting. He separates himself from the day-to-day -day activity of life. He pulls away from the crowd. Um, you see this in the life of Jesus. He did this all the time. In the book of Mark, you read this about Jesus. It says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He made sure his smartphone was left on his dresser. He grabbed a cup of freshly ground coffee. Then he left the house went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He just pulled back. He got away from the noise. News flash for us this morning. Life is hectic. You might think it's just your life, but it's not. It is all of our lives. You have television sets blaring, kids screaming, phones chiming with notifications, traffic coming, the to-do list just buzzing around in your head all the time. 
it is next to impossible to hear the voice of God speaking to your heart in the middle of all that noise. You need a quiet space that is away from all that. I just started on this new adventure this last week. I am coaching third grade girls basketball. And uh, uh, we had our first practice this week. There's a good chance that with me at the helm, we just might lose every game this season. (laughs) But I can promise you this. I will have a whole bunch of new sermon illustrations as a result of this, uh, this little adventure. Well, this last week, we had our first practice. Um, some of these girls, it's their first time. Some have been playing for two years, three years, four years, um, uh, and, and, and they have all these different skill levels. But one thing that I know for sure as their coach is that I could school any of these, these third grade girls in a game of one-on-one. I could take, I, I could take them. And, it's, and, and maybe a small part of that is that I have a four-foot height advantage on them, but <laughs> Another part of that is just I have, I've been playing basketball a whole lot longer. I play all through high school. Um, I know a lot more about ball handling and the fundamentals of the game and how to dribble and all that kind of stuff. I know a lot more about basketball than all these girls. And my heart as their coach is actually to help them understand the game of basketball. It's to teach them a few things. And I'm learning, though, that, that, that that's not always super easy to do. I'm discovering that it's really hard, actually, to speak to a group of 10 third grade girls who all have a ball in their hand because as I'm trying to teach them and talk to them, what are they doing with that ball? They are constantly bouncing that ball. And so I try to talk to them, and what do they do? They just bounce, bounce, bounce. All you basketball players in the room, you're looking at my fundamentals of dribbling right now. You're going, Rich, you suck at dribbling, buddy. Learn to play. But they're always bouncing the ball. And the only way for them to really hear me talk is to be what? i got to blow that whistle a thousand times and say, stop bouncing the ball <laughs> so that I can talk to you. <laughs> and isn't that just how it works with life? We have so many ba- balls bouncing all the time. Some of you, it's like you're bouncing 50 balls. You have so many things going on. And God is saying, I want to speak, but I can't speak to you because you have so much noise in your life. And and there's nothing wrong with noise and activity and busyness and all that kind of stuff. The problem is when we don't pull away from that to get away with Jesus and just let him speak to us. And entering into friendship with God, it means that you you have to pull away. This is so important. Listen to me. It's so important. It actually is the difference between you having a mediocre relationship with Jesus and having a deep, close face-to-face kind of relationship with Jesus. You have to pull away from the noise and make space. Another way to enter into friendship with God is is to have transparent conversation with God. Moses, he goes into the tent where he talks to God and where God talks to him. And we call this transparent conversation what? We call it prayer. And prayer is not some religious activity to get really good at. It's not something only for people who have been following Jesus and going to church for a really long time. No, prayer is simply having a conversation with Jesus. And anybody, you don't even have to be a, a, a follower of Jesus to pray. Anybody can do it. And then, well, how do we pray? Rich, how, how do I pray? It is actually not complicated at all. Jesus was asked that same question. His disciples come along and say, teach us to pray. And Jesus doesn't say, well, hey, let me sign you up for a a 45-week class on prayer. No, Jesus actually gives them a two- to three-minute talk 
And let me just sum it up for you. You can read it for yourself in Matthew 6. Let me sum it up for you really quick. He basically says, don't be fake, be real, be authentic. Don't try to be like somebody else when you pray, just be real. Keep it simple, don't be complicated. And then he basically says, There's, make, it about, make, make your prayer go three different directions. Make it go up, so uh, take some time to worship God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your prayer should go up, your prayer should go, go in. Take some time to, to pray, God, give, give me my daily bread. God, you're, you're my life. God, feed my soul. God, meet my physical needs. So you pray in. And then your prayer should also be directed out. God, your kingdom come. God, work in my friend's life. God, work in my family's life. Do this, do that. That's, that, that's it. Any of us, any of us can have that kind of, of a prayer life. And it's not a matter of whether or not you, you know all the right words to say. It's a matter of just entering into it and beginning to talk to God. Um, one of the problems of, of modern Christianity is that we've kind of removed the necessity for conversation with God because we've made the Christian life all about formulas and principles. If I just follow step one, step two, step three, step four, then voila, I'm going to get this. If I just do this, 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 and that, then this is the outcome. This is what God will do in my life. God is not a principle. He's not a formula. God is a person. He's a person. He's a person. And, and God wants to work in your life differently than he does in mine. God wants to convict you of stuff that's keeping you from, from him in a different way than he wants to convict me of stuff. God wants to encourage you differently than he wants to encourage me. And, and when you understand all this, all of a sudden it becomes important to, to have conversation with God. I love what author John Eldridge says about this. He says, the adventure of following Christ begins when we get rid of the formulas and start following Jesus as a person. You start following him as a person. If you want friendship, you have to talk to him. And then the last thing this morning is that if you want to enter into friendship with God, is you have to be regularly listening to God speak through his word. You just have to. And, and if you are around church for any length of time, you, you hear this all the time, don't you? You need to be in God's word. When Moses first showed up on the scene, there was no Bible, so God uh, wrote on a bunch of rocks and said, here, Moses, it's going to be the first Bible. And uh, Moses goes on to make it central in his life. But simply put, the Bible is to your spirit what food is to your body. So we know what food does for our bodies, right? Like, if you don't have food, you actually can go several weeks without food, but your body's going to get really weak really quick. You're, you're going to be vulnerable to attack from sickness and viruses and all that kind of stuff. Eventually, if your body doesn't have food, you're, 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 you're going to die. It is the exact same way when it comes to what the Bible is for your spirit, for your soul. It, it's, it's life. Jesus understood this. He comes along and he says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And if you want to experience and to know the real life that's found in knowing Jesus, you just, there's, you just, you have to be in God's word. And what, pe- what keeps a lot of people, though, from, from reading their Bibles is they just don't, e- don't know how. Or maybe you go, I'm going to read my Bible, and then you open up your Bible, and you end up in, in a book like Leviticus, and you're going, what in the world? I have no idea 
what this is about, all these rules and laws and yeah. And so it keeps you from reading the Bible and you just, you don't go there. You don't have a place to start. It's intimidating. I just want to give you a simple way to read the Bible this morning that's worked really well for me. And uh, maybe it's something that could work for you. But this is how I do it. I pick three books of the Bible, um, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, and the book of Psalms. And so it's not like I have a plan on which book from the Old Testament. I just kind of, it's more of a kind of like random thing. Um, I felt like reading through 1 Samuel. So right now I have a bookmark in 1 Samuel. Uh, I have a bookmark in the book of Psalms. And I have a bookmark in the book of Matthew. Just random. Um, felt like that's just what I was interested in reading. And, and here's the beauty of that, though, is that now when I go to read my Bible tomorrow morning, I don't have to wake up and go, oh, I'm going to have to spend like 15, 20 minutes trying to figure out what I'm going to read, where I'm going to go. And then what if I get in the Bible and it's just this, uh, it's in a, a weird place? I know as soon as I wake up, I go, okay, I know exactly where I'm going to be reading this morning because I have three bookmarks in my Bible. Now, sometimes I read from all three of those sections. Sometimes I read just, actually, more often than not, I'll read from one of those books. Sometimes I read three chapters. Sometimes I'll read three verses. But the point is, I have a system, a system for reading my Bible that, that just helps me. There's no obstacles there. And so I'd encourage you, get a system. Maybe it's version Bible app. You go and download that, and you, you find a devotional. Maybe you're a cover-to-cover kind of person. You go to the start of the Bible, and you just like work your way all the way through. Maybe you start in the New Testament. I don't know, but get a system because you have to be in God's Word. That is the primary way that God speaks to us. It's through His Word. And so find a way to do that. If you need help, you can talk to me. I mean, there's a lot of people around here who would be more than happy to come alongside of you and help you figure out how to dive into God's Word. But these three things, space away from the noise, conversation with God, and and Scripture reading are what make it possible for you to enter into friendship with God. They are so, so key. Yes, you can come to church on Sunday and you can experience an element of all three of these things, but it's kind of like you're standing on the outside of the tent of meeting looking in. It's kind of like you're... Like Jesus is Russell Wilson, and you're up in the nosebleeds just kind of watching him do his thing. Why do that when you can enter into friendship with God? Why settle for a distant relationship when Jesus says, hey, I'm inviting you to know me almost like like face-to-face, like close. Why settle for less? Be a people who pursues him. You get away with him. You talk to him, you you share what's on your heart, you hear him speak through his word, do that and you will begin to discover the real life that comes as you you know God, you know who he is. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this has been such a good morning. God, so good, baptizing, God, watching as as men, women, boys and girls stand up and, and just... God, make it known that they're all about following you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that we have been given the privilege to be a part of this this morning. Lord, I know you are smiling down. God, I know, Jesus, that there's just so much joy in heaven over what's taking place this morning. And Father, I pray that, Lord, God, for all of us in this room, 
that, that Jesus, we would be a people who don't settle for an, an outside the tent of meeting, an, an up in the nosebleeds kind of relationship with you. But God, we would be people who, who joyfully and willingly enter into friendship with you. God, on a daily basis. Lord, help us to be people, God, who set a time, a time aside, who are diligent, God, to make space in our lives to pull away to be with you. And God, I know this is going to be harder for some than others. God, uh, parents, God, especially with young kids, God, I know what that's like to have constant interruptions. And God, it, it's, it's, it's hard. But God, you invite us to do this. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to do whatever it takes, God, to find space away from the noise to be with you. And God, I pray that you would stir within us just a hunger to know you. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who are like that, that, that deer who pants for water, that God, our souls will just be so thirsty for you, that Lord, we wouldn't settle for, for anything less, God, than entering into friendship with you. And Lord, I thank you that as we do that, God, you are waiting on the other side, God, to reveal yourself to us, God, to reveal uh, just the life that comes from, from knowing you. And so, Father, I pray that we would be a church that is all about going hard after you, Jesus. I pray all this in your good name. Amen. Amen.